Many homeschooling families are now homesteading because they love the self-sufficiency as they raise animals and grow wholesome food. It's a simpler kind of life for them and their children. Today's guest, a very smart homeschooling dad, is here to share how he and his family are homesteading for independence. Welcome to Homeschooling Saints, the podcast that helps you create the homeschool you love for the people you love. Our host is Lisa Maladnik, a Catholic life coach, TV host, best-selling author, and an instructor at Homeschool Connections. Before we get started, remember to subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. And if you're watching on YouTube, click the bell to join our channel. Hello and welcome. I'm Lisa Maladnik, your host, and today's guest is Nick Wilson, and he's here because he is homesteading for independence. Nick Wilson earned a Bachelor of Arts in Philosophy from the University of South Carolina, after which he completed a Master's in Religion at Yale University. Currently pursuing a PhD in Philosophy at the University of South Carolina, he teaches courses in the Philosophy Department and pursues research in medieval philosophy, especially St. Thomas. Philosophy of Religion and Ethics. In addition to academic work, he teaches with Homeschool Connections and serves on a small nonprofit devoted to preserving the liberal arts and public oratory. He lives in rural Lexington, South Carolina, where he homesteads with his wife and three children. And you can find Nick and the courses he teaches at Homeschool Connections at homeschoolconnections.com. Just look under instructors and you'll find lots about him. And I have that in the show notes. Welcome to the program, Nick. Thank you, Lisa. It's great to be here. Oh, yeah. It's, this is a really fun topic because I'm seeing this more and more, even here in on Long Island, which is like all cars and highways, you would think. It's also got beautiful, more rural areas. But even in kind of tightly knit suburban neighborhoods, we're seeing more and more of this. Would you just define what homesteading is for us? Sure. Yeah. I think of homesteading and I think a lot of things could be included under it. But my best definition of homeschooling, uh, excuse me, of homesteading would involve some kind of economic turn inwards to your own home and to your own land and property to find something that you can grow, something you can produce. And so I think being a homesteader is about being a certain kind of producer. And so that can be uh, gardens, it can be fruits, vegetables, it can be raising animals, it can be even... Um, hobbies that don't deal with living things. So crafting of a certain kind, um, I think are all ways of homesteading and all of those things have in common, I think. Turning to your own home and to your own skills and to your own land um, for economic well-being and um, sufficiency, I guess. Mm, yeah. And I, and I know that this has meaning for you and your family that's beyond just kind of um, finding a little independence. You're carving out something that has meaning on many levels. Would you start to open that up for us? Yeah. Well, the, the first reason we really got into homesteading, uh, we made the decision to do it was because my daughter had some food sensitivities and we couldn't quite figure it out. And that led us down a, a trail of thinking about what's in our food, where are we getting it? And led us to lots of other questions and that kind of pushed us in the direction of maybe we should start trying to grow some of our own food. And so we started with chickens, eggs was the thing that really um, pushed us over the edge and um, chickens aren't too hard to manage. They're very good beginner 
homesteading approach or entry into that world. Um, and so the practical side of better food was on our minds, but we also knew that being around animals, being around God's creatures would teach us to, well, love God more and to see him in those creatures, of course, but also to be somehow economically and culturally independent from the wider world that might be doing things that we're not really happy to be a part of. And so it allowed us to turn back to our family and our family's well-being and our local community's well-being and try to find a new way forward and uh, with God at the center and animals and his creatures and our children all kind of working together um, for something uh, really ultimately to glorify God. And so that's not that that's always on our mind all the time, sadly, but it was there in the background and we knew that um, it was a deeper reason to take this step forward into the homesteading world. I, I'm seeing one connection, too, that for me just thrills me, and that is that just as a life lived well as a Christian can shake up the people around us, to sh can show them a better way. This kind of audacious return to the earth when everything has been made so easy, so mm -hmm. hermetically sealed and delivered for us, so next day air, you know, and, and all of that without mentioning yeah. any particular names, but... Yeah, to turn away from all of that comfort and ease, even though you were struggling with the food sensitivities of your child, that is to step into a path that that casts a new light on who we are and what life is for, for those who observe you and your family. What are you noticing about people's reactions to the way you live? Well, usually it's bewilderment. Why would you <laughs> want to do that, right? Why, why would you want to have to deal with chickens on your own and all of the mess that comes with that when you can just buy them for a dollar a dozen at the grocery store. Mm -hmm. And of course, <laughs> the question is, why are they a dollar of a dozen at the grocery store? And that might lead you into deeper questions about the, the food system as a whole and where we are as a consumeristic society, which popes back hundreds of years and Pope Francis especially has highlighted this uh, throwaway culture. And so when um, we think of animals in that way, we also tragically start to think of other people that way. And so there's a, for me, there's a seamless garment between how we treat animals and how we treat human beings. Not that animals are the same as human beings or any, you know, not that animals have rights or anything like that. You know, they're these deeper ethical questions, but when we treat animals as just, we fail to see God in them in their own unique way. I think that we end up treating human beings worse as a result. And this consumerism is kind of poisonous or infectious. And so um, I think it's actually part of returning to the land, this kind of movement that's been going on is for me part of returning to a, what human being, understanding of what human beings are and what's the good life and how does that relate to our faith as Christians and glorifying God um, and so all of these things, as you're saying, really do go together. One question leads into the next. And so, um, you know, this is, and just to throw in one more thing here, the, uh, if for, I know many folks, um, at least at Homeschool Connections and elsewhere, love Chesterton. And I think this is living out the distributist, the Chestertonian ideal of three acres and a cow, right? So I think this is also part of a, a social 
revolution or change where we are starting to turn back to our own local communities and not be as dependent on the wealth and the, the power that's maybe in um, the government or in uh, corporations far away. We can make our communities stronger and that makes people um, and Christians stronger too. So it, it all goes together for me and for us as a family. And I think you'd hear that from many homesteaders. Wow. It's just gorgeous. It makes me think of the way is wide and easy that leads to destruction. And it is certainly the case that in our society, making things too easy for people is a way to get control of them. Um, and so you're kind of setting out on a different kind of path. You're hiking uphill with your walking stick and your family and, and going to the heights, heights that we forget are there because we're so comfortable in the valley. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, describe some of the benefits that you're seeing in your family life to this change of lifestyle. So first of all, I think we have better food than we used to. So that's a good thing. Uh, I think it's more nutritious food as well, based on everything I read and see with my own eyes with these animals that we raise and the, the food that we grow. So that's one benefit. Another, I think, is just my kids seeing animals and seeing how they're, in a way, they're mysterious. Um, it's, uh, you know, that they're not like us. And that's both frightening and uh, thrilling, right, to see the way that even a simple animal we think we understand, like a chicken, its ways are not our ways. And so it, it's very interesting to see kids and even myself um, enter back into this kind of mystery of the way things are. And so that's uh, one way to think about the benefits. And of course, doing chores has just moral benefit, right? Um, having these obligations where you can't just, you know, veg out on Netflix all day. I'm not saying, you know, that there's anything necessarily wrong with watching some good movies, but um, it, it forces you to uh, turn your will out there and you've got to do this stuff. And it, it, I think it trains you to be more disciplined and uh, a better person overall. Um, so those are some of the benefits, um, practical and less practical, maybe more spiritual side as well. Yeah. And, and you think of that sense of otherness with other creatures and God's incredible variety mm -hmm. and, and that idea that it all does lead back to him and his infinite creativity and the beauty that he creates. What are your favorite, that's just your personal favorite parts? I think my favorite is, is the product at the end. So um, there's a lot of work that goes into, you know, growing a vegetable from day one to day 90. And so knowing that you got through all of those 90 days of possible failure is, uh, is exciting and it's a sense of satisfaction. And it's, you know, we work on the computers so much and sometimes it's hard to have a tangible result on the computer, you've sent an email, that's great, but you don't see it and feel it. And so when you've grown something, you, it's there in front of you and it, it's a sense of satisfaction that I find I don't get as much in my other activities. And so just that physicalness of the, the stuff you make and the product at the end, the egg at the end or the fruit or the vegetable or whatever it is at the end, um, is a kind of satisfaction and having that and knowing I did that and I made it. 
Yeah, that that sounds really good. That sounds very satisfying. It weirdly enough reminds me of John Paul II's letter to artists from 1999, where he's talking about being a part of the creative process the, as mm-hmm. that being a godly thing. And there you are nurturing, you know, what grows up out of the ground, planting and nurturing and making something grow like that it must be incredibly satisfying. Um, what are some lessons that are kind of becoming apparent that your family is learning together? Um, well, there's always on the homestead, there's always lessons to do with death and dying. Animals tragically die. Predators get them. Their life cycles are shorter than ours. And so death is a reality. And that leads to conversations between me and my wife and also with the kids and helping them to understand the mortality of the animals and their own mortality as well in, in comparison to theirs and what it all means. And so there's spiritual lessons to take. There's also lessons in failure, right? That you don't know everything, right? Farming is a practice where perfecting it takes generations upon generations of knowledge and and practice. And so we just don't have that. And so there's a lot of failures that we have to learn from on the fly, mistakes we make. And so coming to terms with our own ignorance, I guess you could say, um, has been a good lesson in life in general. If, I think if more of us came to terms with that in our lives, then we'd probably be better people and we'd have a better society as a result. So those are some practical lessons that we've taken as a family um, going forward. Yeah, I can see how a real resilience, a real common sense, uh, and also that that just being like a little scientist in the world, constantly learning. So interesting. Oh, and what you mentioned death, obviously, that's something that really has to be handled well with kids. You do the best you can and kind of trust God with the rest. Um, and you mentioned that there's plenty of failure. Those are the, some kinds of struggles. Does your family ever get tempted to throw in the towel? Sometimes, yeah. We A few weeks ago, we had, we're still having trouble with great horned owls, getting some of the chickens and other animals. And so, there's really not much you can do except try to make a better coop or, you know, install netting or other kind of fancy techniques. And so um, a sense when it's like nature is turning back on itself and the, the predator prey relationship, you can't beat that, right? That's, that's there. God put it there. And so that I think over the past few weeks has been a source of um, tension for us with how do we keep our animals alive and, you know, in, in light of the natural environment and all the things that are going on. So um, sometimes when it feels like nature is against you is when it's the hardest. Um, and, you know, there's always struggles too. We've seen recently with the supply chain shortages and um, global economy and all of these things, right? There's sometimes stuff that you need that it's hard to get. And so that can also be a source of um, frustration. But I think where um, what homesteading does for you is it makes you um, adaptable. And so even when you face struggles like this, you find new and creative ways to get past it. And you ultimately recognize the value of what you're doing. And even if maybe realizing that value isn't always easy, it's still worth it. And you just got to find a way forward. And so that's, I think that's where we're at now in light of some of those struggles that we've had. Yeah, yeah. So for anyone who's listening and thinking, 
you know, what would I do first? You mentioned getting chickens. You know, people are listening from all over the world. We're in over 70 countries now, which amazes us. It's incredible how our audience has grown. And so they're in lots of different walks of life. What would you recommend if a family is seriously considering starting? I would say as a piece of general advice, start small. So don't bite off more than you can chew. So if you've never done homesteading or if you didn't grow up on a farm and you have no experience, it's probably a bad idea to get a bunch of chickens and a cow and five acres of gardens and try to manage all this because that's a recipe for failure. I would say start small, find what, what does your family use? What do you need? What is something that you think um, there's an option out there for in terms of homesteading and start there and bite off a little bit at a time and then grow as you realize you have time to do this, you have the skills now, the knowledge to master it. And so chickens are where most people start because chickens are pretty independent and self-sustaining and you know, chicken feed and materials and information is all over the place. And so that's a great place to start. And eggs are such a staple food that um, it provides, it meets a lot of needs. But gardening, I mean, is also great. That's where we started really actually was a couple of raised beds in our backyard, which seeds are cheap. There's not a huge financial investment. And so um, we were able to grow some food and try our hand at that. And then each year since then, we've added one new thing, one new variety of plant or one new animal to try to see, is this right for us? And so that gradual growth pattern, I think, is the best way to do it. So that if you do hate it and you don't think it's for you, you haven't invested tons of time and money and you're not too far um, behind where you were when you started. But mm. it also allows you to grow naturally, you know, small, and you can keep building your skills and your animals and your knowledge and um, you'll be happier that way, I think. Yeah, that sounds so good. And it takes real patience, doesn't it? It takes the long view. Uh, what are we discovering together? And and what's imp- most, most important to us? And, you know, we hear a lot, sort of a jargony way of talking about the family why or a mission statement. But keeping those core values and needs in mind as you build a life together teaches other lessons too, doesn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's a family, it's a cooperative effort. And we live close to my parents and we couldn't do it without their help and their input. And of course, the knowledge of so many other people, not just us, but around us and out there and groups like Homeschool Connections and uh, various other kinds of um, homesteading entities that exist um, have made it possible for people in 70 countries to be able to do this and to succeed at it. So it's definitely a cooperative effort. And um, I think we're moving in the right direction homeschool connections community and the Catholic community and the Christian community um, doing all this and thinking through it together, I think has been um, a great source of um, goodness for the rest of the world. And hopefully we continue in that way. Yeah. Yeah. You, you mentioned, you know, that there's a community out there, a homesteading community. Are there any particular resources that have been helpful for you? Yeah. So I am a big fan of uh, a guy named Joel Salatin. He has a book that um, it's called The Marvelous Pigness of Pigs. And the <laughs> subtitle is something like Respecting God's Creation. And so he's a very accomplished farmer um, from Virginia. And um, he has tons of YouTube, a YouTube presence and lots of books. 
and he's been a pioneer in in thinking through an alternate way of farming and and living. Um, and so he's would I think would echo a lot of the spiritual practical things that I've said. Um, but that book that I mentioned, he goes through you know, what's what's wrong with our current way of doing things and how can we do it better. And he ties that into his Christianity and how respecting God's creation is something that every Christian should care about and should do. And he's also extremely practical, incredibly knowledgeable. And so he brings together both of those worlds of the practice, the farmer know-how, and also the Christian, the, the spiritual side as well. And so he's a terrific resource if you want to understand the why of it all and also get a sense for how you could do it and how it works and the practical side, right? How do you build a good coop? He knows that, you know, why would you do it? And that he also is great at that. So he's an excellent resource. I love that. How can you do it? And why would you do it? Right. <laughs> Always good to know. When you think about when you just started out and what your preconceptions were about what this would be like, um, what the experience was going to offer you and your family. And you look back now, give us a sense of the timeline and and how your perspective has changed. Yeah, so we've been doing this for about five years, four to five years. Um, when we started, it was, as you start any project, it's kind of got a rosiness to it. It sounds great. It's so, um, it, there's no way it could go wrong. Um, <laughs> And the reality is often very different. Thankfully, it hasn't been all that different. But um, sometimes it, it's, um, it's the day-to-day responsibility that can sometimes weigh upon you, right? You, you know you want to have these animals and it's worthwhile. But when you got to get up at 6 a.m. or you got to stop what you're doing to go out and tend to this problem because a fence broke or the water line messed up or the chickens are out or the neighbor's dog is over here, right? When you got to put down what you're doing and and do something else, um, that is where um, it can be tough. But I don't think our perspective as a whole has changed too much. We still, at the end of the day, are glad we're doing it. And I don't think we'd want it any other way. We wouldn't um, stop homesteading unless we were just forced to by cruel necessity. But I think um, ultimately we're glad we're doing it and um, we know more, we know more of the the ways we can fail um, than we did at the beginning, but that's just shown us why it's so important to succeed at the end and why the mission um, that we're up to um, really matters. Mm, Yeah. And how does that connect into your reasons for homeschooling, Nick? I think they are hand in hand. Um, homeschooling and homesteading. I, I almost want to say that homeschooling is a kind of homesteading where when you think about what, based on how I defined homesteading, you're turning to your own family and to your own resources, your land, your property to create food and to make food and to step back from that larger system. I mean, when you think about it, there's, if you ever go to the grocery store and look at the backs of a, a, a box, it's four or five companies that make everything more or less that we eat. And so um, withdrawing from that in homesteading is kind of what you do as a homeschooler. You're withdrawing from that larger framework of education where the people who control it, you might not agree with them. They might not want to teach your kids the right values. That's at least our reason 
for homeschooling is that we think we are better able to instill the values and the knowledge in our kids than um, someone else could. So it's the same basic mentality or approach of turning to the family, turning to the parents, turning to the resources um, at your disposal to educate your children. It's really no different than turning to your own resources to grow your own food or to take care of your own animals or to tend your land. And so for me, they really go hand in hand, right? And they're and they're both ultimately, to me, about building culture, building, um, you know, cultivating. That's what you do when you grow things. But when we're homeschooling, we're also we're growing souls, right? We're teaching them. We're cultivating virtue and wisdom in them. And so, for me, it's all part of the same package deal, um, and that's why we do both of them. Mm, yeah. Yeah, there's this sense of the adventure. It makes me, for some reason, think of the story The Hobbit by Tolkien and how comfortable The Hobbit was and how little of adventure he understood. But he did know one thing, that it would be uncomfortable, and he did not want to be uncomfortable. And yet he becomes his better self through this incredible series of trials and adventures. And I feel like every person who takes their child out of a school and puts their trust on the, in the Lord and starts to take the reins in their child's education or starts to buy chickens is embarking on the discomfort of a wonderful adventure. No doubt. Yeah. I mean, and it's got its own struggles. It's got its own pitfalls, but I think um, it, at the end of the day, it's the only thing worth doing for us. Um, and even if we don't do it perfectly, I think we're still doing it pretty well. And it's a, a better education and a better life for our kids and our family. And of course, and this, is, this is one of the, I think, issues that a homeschooler, has to, or a homeschooler or a homesteader has to deal with is, aren't you just pulling back from the community? And don't you, shouldn't you take care or, um, you know, address the community in, in some kind of way, be a part of it? But I think at the Homeschool Connections is a testament to the creation of new and different kinds of communities that um, not just across the countries, but even locally, there's a million, there, I don't know, thousands of homeschool co-ops around that are building that alternate community based on different values. And so that too, I think, is what homeschooling and homesteading together is creating new communities that are focused on better and higher spiritual values than maybe those that our society around us is focused on. Mm, yeah. Thank you so much, Nick. Is there any just last final thought you want to leave for anybody who's kind of scratching their chin right now and pondering this possibility? I think I would just give an exhortation to be courageous, right? So if you decide, if you're not sure about if homesteading is the right thing for you, I think take a step. Have the courage to try something, anything, as I said, start small. Um, but I think, as you mentioned, The Hobbit getting out of your comfort zone, finding a new skill, acquiring um, new knowledge is only going to help you, even if you don't stick with it. I think having that courage to try something is the only way you're ever going to see a difference. If you're not happy with the way your life is going or you um, are worried about concentration of power or something, right, and economy or, or politics or wherever, um, I think having that courage to take that first step um, will make a huge difference for you. Oh, yeah. It makes me think, too, of how God does not draw with straight lines. He may take you partway into this exploration of homesteading, as He is with homeschooling, and then have you change course into a new season of your life, but He will not have wasted any of it. 
right? There's value in everything we do, even if at the end of the day, we have to leave it behind. Mm. Amen and amen. Nick, what a joy it has been to talk with you about. This is so much fun uh, and just makes me want to pick up a bunch of books by Joel Salatin. Is that how you Yes. Salatin. Yeah, and we'll put his uh, that book, uh, The Marvelous Pigness of Pigs, in the show notes so you won't have to hunt for it, everybody. Can't thank you enough, Nick. This was a lot of fun. I hope you'll come back soon. Me too. It was great to be here, and I'm always happy to talk about homesteading. All right. Fantastic. Thank you, everyone, for listening in. And don't leave just yet. Stay tuned for our short feature coming right up. Welcome to the Thriving Catholic Homeschool Blueprint. My name is Paula Siskinik. I'm the co-founder of the Catholic Homeschool Network, Conferences, and Community. Want to know a secret? Sure you do. Drum roll. Homeschooling success comes from setting just one goal per child per year. Yep, that's it. Do I mean, yeah, forget about the rest of the subjects? Absolutely not. But the other subjects are subordinate to that one big goal. You have to first and foremost respect the dignity of each unique child. Each child comes into this world with a unique set of strengths and challenges. And to foster these by making that one goal for the year, you begin to lay a beautiful foundation for what I call real sustained growth. Now, there is plenty of help to do this too. Here's an example from my own family, okay? My daughter was nearing nine, she was nearing nine years old and she was struggling with reading. And as her mother, you know, I could have easily despaired. So first we went to the eye doctor to rule out any physical problems. She did have a very real vision issue that made reading laborious and exhaustive for her. So naturally, she had a strong resistance to her reading lessons that year. Additionally, she had, she still has, a very vivid imagination. And quite frankly, those simple Dick and Jane type of readers did not hold her interest. The stories she had created in her head through her imagination were far more captivating. The truth is that when a child feels a real deep sense of success, like in reading, real enjoyment in reading, it lays the foundation for everything else. It will result in a lifelong learner. That year, I planned her curriculum with that one goal, have her feel real success with reading beginner chapter books. Every other subject played second fiddle to this. Reading took priority in everything, everything I chose for her that year. I mean everything. Nothing was added to her curriculum that would curtail her ultimate goal, reading success. To illustrate, we kept math work to mainly hands-on fun. We did absolutely no laborious workbooks. I had no worries here because I knew math skills would come in time. Indeed, at the right time for her to truly master them. Science was accomplished family style with weekly read-alouds and fun experiments with her siblings. I had on hand many games and puzzles to help her strengthening her eye muscles and to keep 
I kept this special little yellow reading guide that helped her to make reading not as exhaustive as it was for her. We use the library often in search of topics she loved for read aloud time and for reading practice. Fast forward 16 years to today. My dear daughter is now married, awaiting the birth of her first child. She graduated from Christendom College with honors. And get this, she is presently working at a philanthropic organization doing copy editing and writing. Really awesome, isn't that? The day-to-day -day and even the course of study changed each year, adjusted for the individuals in my family over the ensuing years. And more importantly, <laughs> I let go of trying to be school. It became my homeschool life. It became family learning where we all learned. We made life count as school. We took off time and we discovered the passions, the gifts, the interests of each child, which would let each one of them thrive. Now, I've taught this methodology and this practice to hundreds of families, too, in my one-on-one -on -one coaching through all the years of recommending and picking books through Emanuel Books. It works, and it sets the stage for your child to feel a real sense of success. Now, I designed some handy reflection worksheets for this process in my popular free guide, and thousands of people have used it. Did you get your copy yet? It's called Get Ready to Thrive in Your Homeschool. And there's a button below this video for you to sign up and get your own copy and download it. In it, you're going to find a worksheet that you can use to write down for each member of your family that one goal. Now, I hope that you will take the time out to download the guide, print up the sheet, and get that one goal. I'll see you in the next video, and may God bless you abundantly. And that's our show for today. Our program is sponsored by homeschoolconnections.com. Be sure to subscribe to Homeschooling Saints and leave us an honest review. God bless you, and thank you for joining us.